This is the Illinois. This is my time. This is our time. Grab that bull by the horns and own it, man. Today's your day. Let's go to work. Welcome to the Illinois podcast. The Illinois. Cutting through the noise of Illinois politics. Here's your host, Patrick Fingston. Hey there, it's Wednesday, it's noon. I'm Patrick Fingston from Illinois.com. Thanks for joining us for our weekly live stream and podcast. When we go live Wednesdays at noon, and then we'll uh, post it as a podcast a little bit later on, where we'll have it on your, your Apple device and Google device and Amazon and Spotify and all those fun places where podcasts get uploaded. Thanks so much for for taking time. We've had a, a busy week already, and it's it's just Wednesday at noon, so we're halfway through. But uh, we put out a poll uh, yesterday that is uh, causing a few ripples, uh, especially among angry Republicans who are not happy with me and the Republican-owned firm that actually put the poll together. That, that's showing Democrats leading in, in nearly every race statewide. We'll get to that in just a second. Coming up, though, we'll talk to uh, State Senator Scott Bennett. He's a Democrat from Champaign. Uh, he'll join us uh, to talk about not only uh, his his reactions to, to our statewide numbers uh, and the issues that are on the minds of voters, but also uh, some of the things that are, are facing Springfield right now and the fact that the Democrats are having a hard time finding the votes that they need for things like uh, abortion or gun bills that the left wants them to pass. So we'll uh, we'll talk to Senator Bennett here in just a few minutes, and then we'll also talk to Eric Zorn, who is a uh, longtime former uh, writer for the Chicago Tribune. He uh, left there last year and launched his own uh, his own newsletter, similar to what we do at the Illinois. Uh, he calls it the Picayune Sentinel, which has a, a neat name uh, dating back to something his dad used to do before we had these fun digital newsletters. So we'll talk to Eric here in a minute. But we have new polling. This was released yesterday. It was done by Victory Geek, which is uh, kind of a subsidiary of Core Services, uh, which is which is Republican-owned, based in the suburbs. Uh, do, it does a lot of electronic stuff with the way that they poll. It's a little bit of a traditional poll. It was 90% landlines, 10% cell phones, uh, 19% in the city of Chicago, 44% in the suburbs, 37% in the rest of the state, uh, 34% conservative, 23% moderate, 43% liberal, and uh, had 47% men, 53% women, and then split your age, uh, 26% were 25 to 39, 24% 40 to 54, and 42% 55 plus. And, and let's be frank, this is bad news for Republicans. According to our poll, J.B. Pritzker leads Darren Bailey by 20 points. And, and that's a um, huge, huge lead at this point. And the fact that they were only 6% undecided really tells you that, that that's got to be a concern for for Bailey's people, they of course, uh, you know, their their communications guy tried to diminish and and criticize and debunk these numbers uh, to me last night, and somehow are trying to get me to apparently withdraw them or, or something like that. I don't I don't even know what they're thinking at that point, but uh, we're we're pretty confident in what in what the numbers show, even if it's not a perfect to the tenth of a percentage number, I think it's pretty clear that the J.B. Pritzker and these other Democrats are leading statewide 
uh, at the end of August, whether the Bailey camp or the Demer camp or others don't want to believe that. So we're we're showing uh, Pritzker up by 20. We're showing Tammy Duckworth up by 24, uh, 59-35 over Kathy Salvi. Kathy Salvi's numbers were were surprising with how few people know who she is, uh, especially downstate where you would hope where she would hope that she uh, is is doing better. And then in the race for Secretary of State, this is the one Republicans thought they may have had the best shot at winning, and maybe they still do. Uh, Alexia Janulius leads Dan Brady by 22. And in the uh, race for treasurer, Mike Ferricks leads Tom Demmer by 24 points. Ferricks, of course, is the only downstater. He's from Champaign. And uh, Demmer is, of course, from Dixon. Top issues facing voters this fall. Guns are 16%. Economy is 14%. Abortion, 12%. Crime, 10%. Or 11% taxes, 10%, inflation, 10%. If you want to combine the economy and inflation, it's 24%, which would make it the number one issue. Though, though we kind of looked at it as uh, the economy is keeping your job and the inflation is more of you know cost of living and, and those issues that are, are facing people. So uh, just a, a quick rundown of, of our poll. We've got all of the, the numbers broken down on the Illinois.com. We've got uh, all of our updated slides and cross tabs, all that stuff up on uh, up on our social media channels today, too. So we are uh, pleased this afternoon to welcome our friend Senator Scott Bennett to the the uh, the live stream and the podcast. He's a Democrat from Champaign, and uh, he has uh, been he, he's in an interesting spot as his uh, his party has kind of moved left a little bit, Senator, and, and you and I are are similar in our backgrounds. You know, we grew up in the counties next to each other. We're not mm-hmm. far apart in age. You know, we're both kind of farm boys from that Indiana, Indiana Illinois state line. And and uh, so it's interesting that, you know, you're kind of a, a rural, uh, even though you, you live and represent Champaign now, kind of a rural farm kid who who is maybe more on the moderate scale than some of your, your city and suburban brethren. We've talked about this in the past. How how hard is it for you as someone who I think can be considered a moderate to to fit in in the hardcore progressive and hardcore conservative land that we're living in right now? Well, I think just the polarizing place of politics nationally and here in Illinois um, make it difficult uh, for those in the moderate side, I think, of either political party. Um, the uh, you know, in, in my particular district, I have uh, a college community, college town, Champaign-Urbana, that's where I live. Uh, definitely their uh, politics tend to um, skew to the left, but the rest of the district, um, including the entire uh, state rep district represented by Mike Marin, uh, which includes Danville and a lot of uh, rural communities, um, are incredibly conservative and in, in moving to that direction. Um, so it is difficult. I think. I think generally, you know, those that go into politics that expect 100% approval of anything they do uh, will soon um, be disillusioned uh, of that possibility. Um, but what I have found is that generally accessibility um, is the key to, to making sure that people feel heard. That if you um, get out and you're everywhere in your district and you're at a lot of events and you um, have a lot of town halls and you, you know, when they'll read on um, social media or something that, you know, you voted a certain way and that's showing your values are X. Um, if you just give them a chance to ask you directly about what's that bill actually do, 
Um, and you know, you can come back with some facts on some of those things that they can actually check out. I usually try to put links up and things like that because I think generally people, um, don't take what politicians say at hundred uh, percent acceptance value. Um, what makes you say I, that? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, just, <laughs> just, uh, you know, how many examples uh, do we have time for? But, yeah. um, but you know, but generally it, it is the, you know, Hey, here are some facts. Now here's the, the, the kicker. What facts should I put up there? Uh, just in the last week, I was um, kind of going back and forth on social media about, um, I believe it was the repayment of the college uh, college debt. And so I was trying to talk about costs for different federal expenditures. And so I would, I would try to find online some links to put up there. But if I were to put, um, you know, Brookings Institute numbers, those are going to be discounted right away, right, by, uh, by the right. And if I put, you know, the Heritage Foundation numbers, um, obviously, you know, the same problem on the other side of the spectrum. So, I mean, that, that's part of it now is how do you even have a dialogue or a debate um, in, a, in either a state like Illinois or a district like mine where you can't even agree on a source to just give us, well, what did it cost when we forgave PPP loans or when we did the uh, 2017 tax reform bill? If, if I can't tell you a cost on that and we can't agree on a source that would tell us um, an objective financial cost to a big federal bill like that, um, it makes it very, very hard to have a civil uh, discussion about it. Well, and, and I mean, I've I've learned that disclosures just, you know, mean everything and what I do, you know, where I come from, who I've worked for, those sort of things. Sure. And, and I still get discounted as, you know, a, a Republican thinks I'm a Democrat or a Democrat thinks I'm a Republican, you know, and, <laughs> and it's like, you guys, first, I tell you who I've worked for, I tell you where I stand on issues. So, so really, even when you try and tell them what, what, the facts are it doesn't seem to matter so it's 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 not just a, a political issue i think it's just a societal mistrust of others which is way bigger than you and i can get into this afternoon but uh before we talk about some issues i wanted to i wanted to ask you about the poll that we put out that showed uh statewide democrats in really great shape uh heading into the fall and you know our poll was was done by a, a republican leaning firm it even oversampled downstate a little bit especially in our first uh, our first version of the poll this this is not a poll that's that's democrat skewing it's not anzalona list that's doing it it's it's a uh, you know it's a it's a poll that i think gives us a pretty good indication that democrats are winning right now it may not be that way in two months but they are right now what what were your take what was your take on those numbers well, I was pleasantly surprised, um, and you know more about methodology and polling than, I, than I'll ever pretend to know. But um, you know, generally, I think it also showed um, just the strange. Illinois always had the three subparts, right? You have the the city, the suburbs, downstate. Um, it's interesting to see kind of how the suburbs and downstate on a partisan uh, uh, trend tend to be switching. Um, at least that's what we would suggest. The concern I have, I, I don't, I don't, I don't doubt a lot of them. I think most of my colleagues that are um, in the northern third of the state feel very confident about our statewide office holders as well as their own legislative races. I think those of us that are that are downstate recognize that our races will be closer. Um, and um, you know, for example, and and that's what the polls show too. Of course, is the the part of the state that is going to vote for Darren Bailey or those that kind of are his end of the party um, tend to live in the bottom two thirds geographically of the state, 
And um, so that doesn't surprise me. The concern I do have for it, though, is that you're going to see a complacency um, in 2022 from Democratic um, middle of the road voters, much like you saw in 2016. Um, what we saw in 2016 in Champaign-Urbana, for example, we held several events uh, for Hillary Clinton, for example, phone banking, get out the vote, all those type of things in Champaign-Urbana. And you think, well, this would be a, a something you'll have a lot of interest in. And we did. We had a lot of people that called and said, yep, put me down. I'll be there. And then on, you know, the night before the election, a couple nights before that, um, there were a lot of empty cell phones sitting on tables because people didn't show. And what I attribute that to was in their little echo chambers, uh, Donald Trump had zero chance to get elected. And so they had other things to do. You know, they had to, to get their kids ready for it's November. So they had to get their kids ready for school the next day or sports or whatever was going on. And they thought, well, it doesn't matter what I do for three hours tonight if I'm out, you know, um, doing get up the vote calls or whatever. And you take that over, uh, you know, that's that's one little college town in, in central Illinois um, that was going to go Hillary uh, either way. So, you know, you take that across the country and you saw how that complacency really played into it. Contrast that with 08 when I had corporate uh, lawyer friends from law school that were knocking doors in Indiana. Uh, very hostile territory, but they felt so strongly, um, even though the polls were pretty generous for Obama heading into the 08 election, but they felt so strongly about what they were doing. They were out in, in some very difficult areas, knocking doors, doing the GOTV. And so I, I think there's a cautionary tale though there for the, the Democrats. Um, when you see those polls, as you said, we are two months out from the election. Great. You know, we're, we're just... Uh, there's a lot of negative um, Trump news um, on certain new, uh, news outlets, depending on what you listen to or watch. Um, and I think that is having a certain uh, tamping effect on Republicans across the board. Um, what I have seen is every time there seems to be a big uh, anti-Donald Trump story uh, involving Justice Department, for example, in the last month, uh, the first one, you know, they did the search warrant. You saw a lot of pushback from a broad spectrum across the Republican Party. And then with each kind of rollout that comes from that, well, now we think there's some you know, moving around of documents. And now we, you know, here, we're going to release the, the warrant. Um, there is still pushback, but it's not, it's not as broad as the initial one. And so I do think there's a certain, maybe perhaps Trump fatigue um, that we're seeing. Again, that's based on my own echo chamber in, in central Illinois, but it does seem that there is a, an element of, well, if you tied your your party to one person and that person suggests some serious flaws, then what do you have left? You know, we you know, we, we have not uh, the Republican Party has not um, done as much in this year to talk about their uh, policy differences. Mm -hmm. But they this primary was about who stands in, in best lockstep with uh, former President Trump. All right. But if that's if that's your entire identity and it turns out that isn't a, a great place to be, um, I don't know how you're going to get to those persuasive or persuadable voters in the suburbs and the city that may go either way. So how does a Democrat who is clearly not a Trump guy, but, you know, you're from you're from Gibson City, I'm from Crescent City. You know, sure. you know, you, you live in Champaign, you represent Rantoul, you represent, uh, you know, Royal Gifford, Flatville and and. A, a, ton of of your point, a ton of Vermilion County. How do you have a real conversation with someone who so vehemently disagrees with your view on 
maybe maybe the world in general, but specifically on 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 those political issues and those political people. I think you got to keep it fact focused, right? If you if you are talking about you know a policy, for example, and right oh, so let's talk the news this week um, with the um, forgiveness of student debt, right? If you are talking to someone that completely disagrees and thinks it's socialism and thinks it's you know uh, shifting money around to people who made um, what they consider um, bad or irresponsible financial decisions, what I found somewhat persuasive is to say, I understand where you're where you're coming from because I also went to school. You can tell from my, by my age, and um, I assume I'm older than you, um, though you were generous in the intro. Um, college is pretty pretty cheap when I was in school. You could go into an in-state in school and work your way largely through it. Um, and, but there are a lot of statistics that suggest now that those same people that are trying to make those decisions come out with an eye-popping amount of debt. If you talk about it in those terms and don't jump right to, well, you must be selfish, you must be elitist, you must be, and that, that is the, the snarky kind of tone, I think, of politics now, where, and Trump's a great example of that. I've seen all over my social media, there's a lot, just like the Republicans love to, to um, show uh, Biden doing embarrassing things um, and make him look ridiculous in certain things. And, and so the Democrats enjoyed that during the Trump years. Tell me how that persuades anybody to leave what they were doing. It doesn't. And instead, it's the, what we it's found the is, only other side mentality. It's that, that yes, that yes. cable news, we're, we're going to be a jerk to the other guys mentality. That's exactly right. But what that does is make the other side dig in and either they have to acknowledge I was some kind of fool to, to like this candidate, um, which you're just not going to get. I, I thought I was watching the January 6th hearings and I thought one really, I think it was uh, Representative Cheney. One thing I thought that she did really well was instead of attacking the, um, insert, the, the individuals that went to the Capitol directly, instead of saying, you know, they were violent or they were um, misguided or whatever term you could use, she said they were exploited. You know, they had patriotism, they had strong feelings about this, and President Trump uh, exploited those feelings of their patriotism to, to uh, send them in to do, you know, um, illegal things. I thought that was a very interesting way to look at it, and not one I was, I was looking for, but if you're trying to talk to the very people that sided with the people that went into the Capitol on January 6th, that's where they're coming from, right? They see it as that way. It's not, they don't think that they're um, fascists or that they're, trying to keep Trump in, in power by whatever means necessary. Um, they think that election was um, not conducted in the right way. So you have to, I think, at least acknowledge their point um, and then say, well, here are the facts. I mean, here's what it would take to pull off a massive conspiracy to um, rig the voting apparatus in this many electoral states. And oh, by the way, the election officials in those states were not Antifa. They were often Republican elected Republicans. So, I mean, I think if you can address that in that way, I think people, I think there, there, there is a, a rationality in everybody that they want to try to find those things. But you're exactly right in that half the time when you're having that discussion, they haven't heard the facts you're saying because their news sources aren't reporting those things. Um, and so you, one, better have some sources and they you better not, you know, end with, you know, and if, and if Democrats are going to are going to jump all over their sources and say, well, these are clearly Russian bots. You know, you can't you can't trust this uh, this source. We have to recognize that I also can't 
um, give you a George Soros portfolio and say, can't you see the truth is here? That's, that's not going to get anywhere with you. So I, I think generally it's just recognizing people's humanity and, and not insulting right from the get go. Um, all the people we talked about, you know, in Crescent city or Gibson city, um, depending on, I mean, these, a lot of their, um, political views seem to have changed in the last five, 10 years. Um, and I've questioned a lot, like, were these the people I grew up with? That's the sales best way after January 6th and certain other, certain other times. But I think a lot of it is just that people feel like they're not being heard. And if there's a certain um, wing of extreme wing of wherever, right. Uh, and right, you know, say it's in the rural areas, it tends to be the extreme wing of the Republican party is saying, Hey, we've been pushed around a long time and now we're going to, you know, get what's ours. If you're in the, you know, um, the inner city, it might be the extreme left wing, right? That's saying the same things. It's now it's our time to, um, to kind of, uh, you know, get what we've been denied for a long time. You're leaving a lot of people out though, right in the middle. And, and so that is the, the biggest um, kind of fight that I think all of us are having. Um, so Democrats, when I talk to Democrats and I say, look, if, if you think the opponent is just kind of out of their minds, right. In extreme, I don't know that, that, what, what, that the best remedy for that is to go the exact same distance the other way. Um, I think if you present kind of a, um, a sane middle of the road alternative, you'll get more people. You're always going to have your base, but you also, you know, can get more of those persuadables in the middle. Um, and so that's my argument, but I've had many people, particularly in Champaign Urbana that come back and say, we don't agree. We think if you're, you're not giving them any real choice then, because there's not a lot of difference between moderate Democrats and Republicans, for example, which I don't agree with. Um, and I one, think one last thing, but one last yeah. thing before we, we jump into a couple of issues and I'm already keeping you along sure. and I apologize. Uh, we could talk okay. all day on this stuff and I, I, I hope we can do it again. The, uh, you mentioned a lot of the, the Trump feelings, uh, or people who, who are just so opposed to Trump in his in his existence, uh, but on the the downstate side of that, I think you get the Republican feelings about J.B. Pritzker, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know I, I and I'm not saying Champagne Hat here because Champagne Urbana and and the rest of your district is is a lot it's different in that regard. It is, but it but is. I had a Republican legislator the other day tell me J.B. Pritzker just. Dis- Dis, is disinterested in downstate, doesn't care about downstate. He's, he has clearly done a little bit on his own, I think, to be antagonistic in some of those instances. What do you think the governor needs to do to show that he's he's the governor of the whole state and not just north of I-80 or the liberal pockets? Well, using my two-county district as a microcosm of the 102 counties that Jim Pritzker has to uh, deal with, um it's just be present just just make sure that you're you know and i think that was very difficult during covid there wasn't as much moving around um i will tell you one thing that i've been uh, during the 2018 campaign um pritzker came to champagne but also came to danville he walked in our parades he was he was available for coffees and lunches and, and what have you um that's a much harder thing to do when you're not just a candidate but also the governor and your requirements are to be a lot more places but I was impressed this week alone. I mean, I think uh, the Pritzker campaign did a five-day downstate bus tour. Um, I, I saw them in Champaign-Urbana where it wasn't just the governor, it was the first lady, it was also the lieutenant governor. Um, they were in Champaign. 
um, and talking about issues and 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 uh, making the rounds. But the next day, I saw they were in Charleston, which is um, Darren Bailey's home district, right? So it, I think I think part of it is don't take it for granted. You absolutely do see a lot of um, either Bailey signs or um, negative signs about the current administration in downstate districts. Uh, including my home county and yours. Yes, but you do. That, but part of that is, I think, is it's harder to demonize someone if you know them. Mm -hmm. If they've come, to, if they've had coffee in your downtown coffee shop, if they've walked and talked to you, I will tell you, I've, I've been surprised during COVID um, when I would have conversations with them about our numbers downstate or things that we're seeing about testing sites. Or uh, I was very impressed when he'd say, well, actually, we do have a testing site in Danville or we do have... Uh, this setup um, coming to Effingham, um, it, he's clearly on top of those details, but perception and reality are, are often different. Um, and I think you just got to put the time in. And so, you know, a five-day bus tour is a good start. It's Might have lost the senator. No, no, I'm here. I'm okay. sorry. Got him back. All right. I apologize. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a start, but we've got, what, 80 days left until the election. Less um, than. I, I feel pretty confident that, um, you know, much, and, and, your, and your poll suggested that um, the ground that he needs to, you know, convince is in the bottom, geographically, bottom two-thirds of the state. Southern, how about southern? I like that better than bottom. Uh, two-thirds of the state. And so I would like to see more more time spent there and actually talking about issues that affect us in Iroquois County and Ford County. Before we let you go, uh, it appears that we we have some um, dissension within your party uh, on on a special session on either some sort of abortion legislation, which I don't know how you can make abortion more accessible in Illinois, uh, or an assault rifles ban or some sort of gun legislation. What can you tell us about where those conversations stand and uh, why Democrats can't come together so far at this point? Well, both the issues you mentioned are pretty controversial and they're controversial um, within a party as well. Um, we have, I mean, you know, I know you and I have spoken before that both of these tend to be kind of litmus tests, right? I think reproductive health and abortion tends to be um, you know, it, there used to be a lot more diversity in the Democratic caucus about that. And now I think it's very hard for the Democratic Party to support you unless you're, um, you know, pretty uh, openly pro-choice with, with very few, if any, exceptions. But I also think guns tend to be that way with the Republican Party. Um, you tend to be to see people that may not be gun owners, um, that aren't as familiar with, um, with uh, hunting or, or, or having gun for sport and live in areas with so many police officers, they don't feel the same need to have a gun in their home for home protection as those of us in the southern two-thirds of the state do with, many, with a lot, with a lot uh, fewer officers that are a lot farther away. Um, and so I think largely it's the issue of, okay, you can have a special session in an election year and you can whip up your bases and let people know that, but what's the bill gonna say to your point you made earlier? Um, we are having weekly um, in the Senate Democrat Caucus uh, weekly or at least every other week um, conference uh, calls and zooms uh, where we're going through some things other states are doing um, looking at um, looking at uh, what we could do so here's a perfect example if we talk reproductive health it's the issue of you know as you said we've packed the passed the reproductive health act 
Uh, we've codified, uh, we anticipated, frankly, that the Supreme Court would do what they did um, and codified many of the things that had come in through case law and made it the actual um, statute law um, uh, of the state. So that isn't going to change just because Roe v. Wade was overturned. Um, at the same time, though, what difference does it make if it's legal or, 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 or illegal if people don't have access to it? So if there aren't that many clinics in your community, if you've got to, if you've got to drive four hours um, to, uh, to such a clinic, well, then you really don't have a right to that. Um, and I think that's largely much of the discussion right now is to make sure that it's not just to say, hey, everybody should have in Illinois that wants to have um, these procedures, um, they should have access to it. We need to make sure that our resources are there to also make sure that that's true in fact, but also in law. We'll have to leave it at that. Senator Scott Bennett, uh, thanks so much for the time. Pleasure as always. You know, even though he and I fall on different ends of the political spectrum on, on a lot of issues, he and I get along great. You know, that's how it works in the real world. And, and I think sometimes our politics are a little uh, a little too tribal where, where just because you may have a different letter next to your name means that the other guy is a bad guy. Uh, yeah. I, I can say for sure Scott Bennett's not a bad guy. So I feel the same uh, about you, Patrick. Thank you. Thanks, Senator. Take care. Uh, poll that we talked about earlier in the race, uh, earlier in the, the show, and the uh, other issues in the race for governor with our friend Eric Zorn, a uh, longtime writer for the Chicago Tribune, uh, who now uh, has joined us in newsletter land, uh, the, the lovely, fan fantastical place that it is. Uh, Eric, what's your, uh, what's, your, uh, what's your newsletter? How can people find it? My newsletter is called the Picayune Sentinel. And uh, you can find it, you can Google me or you can Google Picayune Sentinel and it's free on Thursdays and I have a subscriber program if people want to support the endeavor, but uh, it's, I've been doing it for just about a year. I'm having my one year anniversary next month and uh, I started doing it a few months after I left the Tribune in June of 2000, uh, 2021. So, uh, and it's been a great experience and I, I know that uh, you have the same feeling about Substack, mm -hmm. which is that it gives you a lot of freedom to write at whatever length you want to write and to cover a bunch of stuff or one thing um, and not have somebody looking over your shoulder saying, oh, you did that already, or that's too long or that's too short. You can be your own editor. Sometimes that's that's usually a plus. Sometimes it's uh, you need somebody looking over your shoulder. But I can, uh, be, I can be a little wordy at times, but uh, well, and I appreciate that. And we'll put a link uh, in in the, the description as well for, for folks. Um, let's let's pop this poll on the screen uh, for those of us for those uh, watching on our, our stream and uh, our poll that we released uh, yesterday uh, for for the race for governor. JB Pritzker leading Darren Bailey uh, by 18 points. Uh, it is a, a landslide throughout. But let's start on the race for governor. I think there's nobody that I don't think there's anybody out there that thinks that Darren Bailey is in a position to compete today. But is this worse than you thought it would be? It is worse. And I was looking at some of the other uh, bits of information about this poll uh, when you sent the, it over to me. This poll skews older, older voters. Uh, it only has 19% of respondents in Cook County. And to me, that suggests that it's probably even worse for Darren Bailey than this, than this grotesque number suggests. That, you, that if he's not getting older voters, downstate voters uh, in any greater number than this, I, I think he's in extreme trouble. I, I never thought he was going to win, but this may be a historic 
landslide, which which is going to, I think, be sort of soul crushing to the Republican Party. The upside, as far as I'm concerned, is that, uh, and this is the same sort of result we're seeing here in the Duckworth-Salvi race, um, uh, perhaps this will signal a little bit of the, the end of Trumpism, that um, maybe the Republican Party will get back to its to its Illinois roots, which I consider to be you know, the Jim Edgar, Jim Thompson, George Ryan, uh, even Bruce Rauner style of Republican who is able to win statewide elections. I, it doesn't look to me like there are any elections in your poll that are shaping up at all well for statewide offices for the Republicans. You did not poll, I don't think, on the um, Supreme Court races, did you? No, no. So this was a straight statewide poll. Um, um, so so we did not break it down into the two Supreme Court districts, though I, I do intend to get into that later in the, the cycle. So we'll 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 get into those couple of races. But, you know, you, you mentioned that, that this is bad for Republicans across the board. We mentioned that that Tammy Duckworth leads leads Kathy Salvi by 23. Uh, points and Salvi is just a, a complete unknown, even downstate, where where you would think a Republican U.S. Senate candidate is is relatively well known. Maybe the the race Republicans thought they had the best shot at winning uh, was was Dan Brady, or maybe still is Dan Brady uh, and Alexi Janulius. Uh, Janulius leads big there, fifty five thirty seven, and then there's the race for treasurer, where Mike Ferrix leads Tom Demmer uh, by by twenty one. Uh, Demers, a, a well-known legislator who actually can raise a little money, uh, which none of the other Republicans in that race seem to have, uh, or in that have on the ballot statewide seem to have been able to do thus far. Is is this is this Bra is this Bailey? I almost said Brady. It's like we've got 2010 flashbacks. Is this Bailey uh, dragging down Republicans in in your mind, Eric? I don't know. I, I think so. I think that that Bailey will drag down Republicans because he has run such a, a bad campaign, seems so erratic. And if anything is going to inspire people to come out in the midterm, it's going to be either a close U.S. congressional race. And I don't think we have too many of those statewide uh, or it's going to be a, a nice, interesting governor's race. I, I don't think you're going to get people saying, well, I, I got to get out and, and uh, vote for Demer. Uh, I don't think people are, are fired up to do that. And so it may just be Bailey at the top is just is going to depress Republican turnout throughout the state. I, I don't even know what would, would explain these numbers, except looking again at your poll, seeing that the number one issue in the minds of voters whom you polled, guns is number one, mm -hmm. and, then, and then the economy and then abortion. Uh, uh, certainly guns and abortion are going to be issues where if you're excited about it, you're probably, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to generalize. I'm not sure, but that, that to me suggests more of a democratic uh, influence there that, that abortion has maybe activated some democratic voters who might otherwise be sitting things out and guns, of course, with, with Highland Park and everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we didn't specify, you know, pro-gun, anti-gun or, or, you know, gun reform sure. or pro-life, pro-choice, because it's, it's a matter of, of the intensity of the issue, but, but you, you can tell by the, the numbers of who's winning these races that that clearly it's it's left leaning on those two issues well yeah um, and, and yeah and another thing that jumps out at me is COVID is two percent right and that and bailey is basically running motivated by animated by what he considers to be jb pritzker's mishandling of COVID. He's, he's too much of a shutdown and all that other you know all the other complaints that he raised about masks and uh, that was Bailey's issue. He was the guy who got frog marched out of the General Assembly for not wearing a mask. And, and so when COVID is 
top of mind for only 2% of voters, that doesn't bode well for Bailey either. I, I wonder, you know, Eric, obviously you're, you know, you're a Chicago guy. You've been, you've been up there for, for many, many, many years. Uh, the, the hellhole comments <laughs> that, that Bailey has continued to step in, you know, and, and, you know, you can absolutely, in my mind, and, and I, I get that I'm, I'm a downstater that lives in the suburbs now. So for me to talk about life in Roseland and Englewood and Garfield Park is, is, is a little bit weird, but, you can point out the the crime problems and the economic problems and the social issues, uh, the social problems in, in those areas without painting a broad brush on a city of two and a half million people, can't you? I mean, it just it, it blows my mind that that he has been so defiant on this topic when logic tells you you can't win when you insult a, a city of two and a half million people. Yeah, I don't understand that tactic either. It seems to me that you you're exactly right. You can raise the issue of crime. Crime is a, is, is a very important issue to people in Chicago. I know it doesn't show up quite so much in your poll, but, but uh, you know, we've had, we're having these catalytic converter thefts. We're having a, a surge in carjackings. You've got this stuff with the, the, the streets being taken over, the intersections being taken over by stunt drivers, the sense of lawlessness in part of the city. That is a concern for people. It is somewhat isolated concern and it's one that people want to be have dealt with thoughtfully and they want to talk about okay well i think if you if you can speak thoughtfully about say the safety act uh the, the criminal justice changes in criminal justice law that the democrats have have uh, passed uh, you can talk about those and what effect they might be having what your constructive opinions might be or your policies might be that would change that but just to call the city a hellhole when I mean, I've, I've lived here 40 years. Uh, I've had very little encounters with crime. I live in a, I'm not all that wealthy. I live in a nice Northwest side neighborhood. Things are fine here. Uh, it's not, it's not heaven on earth, but it's somewhere close to hell. Mm -hmm. and, and people feel a little put off by that. And and, it, and the thing about it, it's like, I could deal with someone saying it's a, it's a hell hole, but what I, what I don't like is the fact that as a voter, I don't like the fact that he doesn't seem to be putting forward any constructive thing. What can a governor do? to get his hand, help the city get its hands around the problem of crime. How can it, how can a governor help lower the crime rates? What can a governor do? I'm not hearing that from Bailey. I'm hearing insults. I'm hearing things that may be jangling some chains downstate where people have, have really bad views of Chicago. I think it's all a big scary place, but I don't think that it's, it's a way to, to win voters in the, in the city and the suburbs here because it's a, it's just a, it's a losing, a losing tack, I think. It really makes no sense to me that that you know you you would do this, but I've I've said publicly now that it, it it seems more like Bailey's running for governor of Southern Illinois than he is for for the whole state, uh, and 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 I think that leads me back to the the what is the brand of Republicans that can actually compete in this state? You know, whether it was going to be Richard Irvin or not, you know, he still was going to have a hard time with this message of, you know, I'm the the tough guy, thug fighter, even even when crime wasn't at the top of of issues among primary voters. And, and uh, you know, obviously now we see in, in the general election. But is is there a path for Republicans in this state, in your mind, or or is this going to be uh, a party in the super minority as an afterthought in perpetuity from now on? Oh, I, I would say there are never any perpetuities in politics, even in, in Illinois, when we're solidly blue state right now. 
But there is an opportunity, and there are Republicans who have won statewide, clearly. Um, Judy Topinka, uh, like I said, Jim, we mentioned Jim Edgar, uh, Bruce Rauner, not, not even all that long ago. And uh, I think there, there might be an opening. I was sort of hoping that Adam Kinzinger would get into the race, that, that I think that he might have been able to thread the needle and win the, uh, the gubernatorial primary with all those other candidates in the race being so Trumpy. He might have he, he might have been able to engineer. Mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, when you had Irvin running that, that weird scattershot, cowardly campaign that he ran, Richard Irvin probably could have been the kind of candidate that would really have put a scare into Pritzker. I understand why Pritzker was trying mm -hmm. to fund Bailey's campaign. He would much rather face Bailey. Uh, but Irvin's campaign was not particularly good. I mean, if you remember the polls early on, I don't know if you took any of them, yeah. but certainly some of the polls showed Irvin out in front comfortably. Mm -hmm. Uh, but his campaign never, never got any traction after that. And, and if Kinziger was going to run, it was probably going to be for U.S. Senate. But I think he even realized that the writing was on the wall, and and he probably didn't want to go down with the ship in a, in a you know in a Liz Cheney sort of way. Um, and he may maybe still have options someday. Yes, and he may, and he may be waiting for the Trump fever to break, which it may break soon, and then you might be able to say, okay, in in uh, twenty twenty four or twenty twenty, well, there won't be a Senate race in twenty six, but but mm -hmm. but he may there there may be a a chance for him to jump in to a statewide race, and a lot of people I know, a lot of people on the left, have really good feelings about Kinsinger and, and Liz Cheney, even though they are they are solid conservatives. They're they are people of great integrity. And I think there is a, a realization among people across the political spectrums, not a majority maybe, but there are a lot of us who value integrity in principle almost more than we value policy at this point. Like I, okay. I, I really I really admire Adam Kinzinger. I don't agree with him on a lot of things, but I, I, I think he has, has a man of courage and conviction and purpose. And I think that's the kind of candidate that in the end, voters will want to support. And, and you know, I've 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 been clear in my disclosures. You know, I'm friends with Adam Kinzinger, have been for a long time, and I think he's a a great guy. And and you know, I'm proud of him for for standing up for what's right, even though you know he and I are are on the outside looking in of the party that I used to play around in. Uh, but but it's 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 going to be interesting to see if there's that independent you know, people want that independence again in their party, whether it's Republican or Democrat, because it, it, it seems to be that when you're on the, you know, you're on the program, you're on the program. And I hope we get a little more independence moving forward. Well, I, I hope we get more independence and, and some more moderation too. Um, I, I don't think the people who are at the extremes at both ends of these parties are really representing the, the vast mainstream of voters. And you have these people like Andrew Yang trying to start a third party. I, I don't think those kind of efforts are going anywhere, but I think they are symbolic representative of this frustration that a lot of people feel, which is like, hey, I'm not all the way over here on the left. I'm not all the way over here on the right. I'm in the middle. I, I want common sense solutions. I'm willing to give a little, take a little, trying to find find a way through some of these problems. Uh, those are the kind of politicians that ultimately will, will get We'll get my vote certainly, and probably yours too. Where where I'm not necessarily looking at what jersey they're wearing, but I'm looking at what kind of character they have, what kind of principles they have, and and if I feel like their hearts are in the right place. Um, I'm glad to hear you're friends with Adam Kinziger. Give him my regards. I, I'm, I'm I'm rooting for him. Uh, I might not vote for him, but I'm certainly rooting for him. Uh, Eric Zorn, uh, longtime Chicago Tribune writer, uh, 
plug your uh, plug your newsletter again, if you would. It's, it's not the, it's, the, it's not the New Orleans Time Picayune. No, it's but it's spelled the same way. The Picayune Sentinel. It's named after my grandfather's old mimeograph newsletter when he was a math professor. So, That's uh, awesome. and I and I really appreciate you having me on, Patrick. This is really fun. Let's do it again soon. Thanks, Eric. All right, take care. All right. <clears throat> That's all we've got for you this afternoon. Thanks so much for uh, taking time. Uh, a couple of uh, comments that have come in. Uh, we had uh, seeing the humanity uh, is the problems reg regarding Senator Bennett's statements about seeing humanity in people who disagree with you uh, when they, I assume he's calling uh, Republicans LGBTQ groom or calling LGBTQ people groomers in campaign stops. They're not seeing us as people at all. Um, Th that would be the extreme, of course. I don't know that that traditionally uh, mainstream conservative types are are in agreement with that, but uh, but definitely a, a point taken. And and I think it goes on either side too. That you know the 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 left has had some very dismissive things of people who who disagree with them uh, to say uh, uh, as well when they're on the campaign trail. So we got to be better. That's the only point I can I can offer. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, follow us on Facebook, uh, search the Illinois, uh, or uh, you can find us on Twitter at the underscore Illinois, I-L-L-I-N-O-I-Z-E.com. Uh, Illinois.com is our website. If you uh, want to get our newsletter, uh, subscribe in the top right. Uh, just click subscribe, and then the none is the free newsletter. Uh, you can get that, and we, we put stuff in your inbox three days a week for, for free people and uh, every day for those who are paid subscribers. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I hope you join us again next time uh, here on The Illinois. Have a, have a great afternoon. Have a great week, everybody.